Welcome to Foster Carolinas, connecting the Carolinas to voices of foster care. L-O-T, the place I want to be. Come and sit down, have a foster chat with me. excited to be back in the podcast room with Gail Osborne with Foster Family Alliance. Welcome, Gail. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. But today we want to talk a little bit more about adoption, not from like the state level and what the state's doing and post adoption services and all those good things. Really want to talk about like our own personal adoption stories and, and, and what's happened in our lives. And so how many children have you adopted, Gail? So we have two that we've adopted and then one that we have permanent guardianship with that we're actually going, heading towards, you know, TPR and adoption. So that's awesome. And what is, I mean, what can you tell people about your, your walk to adopting a child through foster care? I assume they were through foster care. Yeah. Through foster care. Um, I always have to like do the math. It's 12 years ago um, was when the adoption was final. That's like hard to believe. Um, I don't think I remembered, um, probably the first seven years, um, (laughs) because, you know, we had them for about eight months and then we adopted, um, and you know, we're on the way in the courthouse and one of my kiddos wets himself. The other one, um, I mean, it it was awful what was happening on the way in, dump the cupcakes, you know, here I was going to celebrate and, they were, they were like acting out. And at the time I was like, what is going on? What, I mean, why is this happening? Um, I was so naive, Suzanne. I mean, it blows my mind how naive I really was walking into that courthouse. How old were they? Uh, at the time three and five. Um, but you know, we had one had a diagnosis of FASD, fetal alcohol spectrum disorder, and then the other one had a reactive attachment disorder diagnosis. And all I ever wanted to be was a mom. And this was my moment with my husband and we were going to shine and we were going to be a family forever. Um, and little did I know what was right around the corner. Yeah. Um, I remember that day too. Like, um, I, I found myself incredibly sad on that day, not just because I think it just the, it hit me that this day means that for another mom out there that she can never be her mom. And so, and you know, mine was about two days after the fact. Um, I, I remember just sobbing. And, and just grieving the fact that she went through loss for me to become a mom. Yeah. And how profound that was. And I, I remember like sending her a message that minute, um, you know, because we had done shared parenting and things like that. And, and, you know, back then, 12 years ago, it doesn't seem like a long time, but we weren't texting like we're texting now and things like that. And so I had to send it through email. And I remember just saying, I'm just thinking about you today. My heart is hurting for you. Um, let me know how I can help. Yeah. that, And I feel like that's something that I've n- never, no training has ever said, hey, prepare yourself. Because even though this moment is going to be super happy, there's, that's, you're going to grieve. Like if I don't, your mama heart just hurts for that. Right. For that other right. mom. And, 
And you're right. No one mentioned it to me. No one told me. And I remember like keeping it quiet for a little while. And finally I talked to another adoptive mom and I was like, did you feel guilty? Did you like, I mean, like, I just, I can't kick this feeling. And she was like, oh my goodness. Yes. And, you know, so we just like in that moment, it was like, neither one of us had talked to anyone else about it. Um, and, and I still do to this day. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mother's day is incredibly hard for me. Yeah. And it's not about me at that moment. It's about grieving for that other mama Yeah, and knowing that her heart is hurting and empty. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's one thing they don't teach you in the books or classes or anything like that. Um, and then after it doesn't get easier, it doesn't, I mean, you think, Oh, finally they're adopted. And I kind of feel like the community around you has that mindset. Oh, you've adopted them now. They're yours. Um, and so sometimes the support kind of falls to, to the side, like, wait, there's, there's still, you know, there's still kids from broken, broken places. We still have our days. Like we still need that support. Um, it is incredibly hard, um, to parent children from hard places. Um, right. And so, it, you know, I have to laugh. I mean, the only thing that happened on that day was just a complete mess of icing and pee and everything else. And they, their last names changed. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, like that, and we took a bunch of pictures. Um, and they looked incredibly unhappy. I was grinning ear to ear. My other child was just kind of like, why are we here? <laughs> you know, my <laughs> husband was, you know, and I look back on those pictures and I'm like, wow, this is, this is hard stuff. Yeah, it is. It is incredibly hard stuff. Um, and what's so funny is like, you work so hard to get to that adoption day, right? Like when you're fostering, it's like, okay, we just, we've got to get through TPR. We've got to get to the adoption day. we got to. And I felt like, um, it was, I don't, I don't know how it was for you, but we kind of just went to the office and signed papers and it, I, like nobody was there and nobody sell. I mean, it was like a, it was such a, not a celebrated thing at all. Like it's just not now in our County now they'll do, um, several like once a quarter or whatever, they'll get together and have an adoption service, which are, which is great with the judge. But just for me, I thought, man, this is an incredibly important day. And I just felt like there was, <laughs> there was nobody there. And it was just kind of, oh, I just signed a piece of paper and in a couple of days, you're mine forever. Yeah. No, we, um, I got tickled. My social worker, the adoption social worker called me and she's like, your paperwork's signed. It's all good and ready to go. And I'm like, oh, great. But the ceremony's not till tomorrow. And she's like, oh, no, no. We make sure everything gets signed ahead of time and we'll do the ceremony tomorrow. And so we, we all came to the courthouse and, you know, extended family and all was there. And, um, we did a sand thing where we, you know, each one of us had a different color sand and we made this and I have it in my um, curio cabinet. Um, if those are things still, <laughs> um, and then, uh, we took pictures with everyone. Our garden ed item was there and afterwards we went out to eat and just celebrated and that kind of thing. But yeah, it, mm, you know, and for us, and I don't know about for you, but for us, things got really hard after adoption. Like, behaviors turned south almost instantly. And I remember thinking like, what happened? I mean, no one told me that it could get worse. Yeah. Um, 
no one told me, you know, and I remember like calling the social worker and be like, um, what is going on? And she's like, oh, it's kind of normal. It, you know, kids, especially once the adoption happens, it's like they realize like there's no chance they're going back home. Um, and they're, you know, it's, it, you know, at the same time they're getting a family, but they just lost a family. Yeah. Um, and you know, my kids were three and five and, and, you know, they weren't processing any of that out loud. I mean, they were processing it through their behavior. Right. Um, and acting out. And I mean, the next several years were just awful. And I, I can remember at one point picking the phone up and be like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Um, and you know, they immediately like sent in the Calvary at that point. And I started getting help and stuff, but I mean, it wasn't until we were at a breaking point. Right. Um, did yours, did you turn South after you adopted or pretty status quo? No, I mean, we were pretty status quo. She was still pretty young. I mean, the biggest issue was getting that diagnosis of a, um, FASD, um, and getting the County to recognize that, diagnosis, getting her, you know, I, I have a two-year-old and I go see, or three, I maybe she was two and a half at the time. And I go to see that, that, um, behavioral physician. And I just remember her looking at me and she goes, sweetie, I'm going to help you. I was like, good. Um, and she said, I, we normally, and people always, people judge all the time. If you're putting a two-year-old on a medicine, there's something wrong with your parenting. Uh, no, yeah. that's not, not, she just looked at me and she said, we don't normally start medicine this early. She said, but I can see that, that she's definitely going to need it. And I think you need it. And I was like, oh, thank you. Because otherwise my child is bouncing off the walls 24 seven can't make a good decision if she tried and it's and it, and that's what people don't understand it is not her fault that she cannot make a good decision when she's not calmer like she just she just can't do it like she can't calm herself and the only reason she can't calm herself is because somebody else couldn't not do drugs and drink alcohol while they were pregnant so that's not her fault, you know? And so that's why I kind of, I'm like, I'm not a, like, I'm not, I don't want all, all kids on medicines, but man, there's a time and a place for that. And understanding that that was for me was kind of, I had to come to that place where it's okay. It's, it's okay. If she's on medicine, it, I'm not, the, I'm not a bad mom. Like it is hard. I will tell you from biological children, because you do, you do a lot of things differently because things that work with biological children do not work <laughs> with like, it just, I don't know. I, that it just doesn't work the same, the same things you did with, you just can't do the same things. Cause it, it just doesn't work. They're very different children, not in a bad way. It's just, they, they just come from hard places. And so to parent a child that's not from hard places, is different than parenting a child from hard places. Um, and I don't know that you understand that unless you've done it. Um, to know, but, but yeah, once she was on medication and she was, I mean, it was, she was, she was fine. In fact, she, I mean, she's 11 now, almost 12 and she'll come to me and she'll say, mom, um, I forgot to take my medicine. I need like she, which I I'm, I'm raising her to acknowledge that first of all, I can't control this. I have to be on medication just like somebody has to be on heart medication and that I'm in control of my own body. And if it feels like it's out of sorts, it's okay for me to say, 
maybe I need some more. Maybe, you know, oh, I didn't take it. She'll go to her teacher at school at first thing. She'll be like, mm, I did not take my medicine. You're going to want to call my mama. I mean, she owns that. Like she knows. Yeah. And I don't think there's shame in that. I we, we have tried in our home to remove that shame and just said, good grief. You know, dad takes money, medicine for, you know, his acid reflux. And, and you know what I mean? Like we all take medicine yeah. for different reasons and there's no shame in you, you taking medicine for that. And for the most part, she's, she's done great. Um, I will tell you that she's been through some testings at school that um, they came to me at one point and told me what her, um, they told me that she had a very low IQ and I was devastated, devastated. And I called my mom, who's a nurse. And I was like, mom, they're telling me that her IQ is, and it was just ridiculously low. And she said, they're wrong. She's like, they're just wrong. There is no way I have interacted with her. She is, she's smart as a whip. She struggles. Yeah. Like in math and some other things, she said, there's no way there. She couldn't do the things that she does if her IQ was that low. And so, um, that kind of empowered me too, to be like, and that that's the other part of being an adoptive parent is like, you are their voice. You are their advocate and you have to fight tooth and nail sometimes to get the services they need to get people to realize, Hey, you need to pay attention to my child. And she's, you know, whatever. I, I mean, sitting in that meeting advocating on for her and, and talking to those specialists about her and just, um, it was, it ended up being a good meeting, but it's just kind of like when you adopt a child like that, you, nobody kind of tells you that, that you're their advocate for life. I will be her advocate for life. Um, well, and not only that, but learning how to advocate for them effectively. And, you know, I can remember I was that mom um, who took my five-year-old with a big diagnosis and went into kindergarten and was like, listen, this is what it's got to be. And, you know, and, and I was pretty firm about it. I mean, like, and they're like, oh, we've had kids like her before. We've had kids like her before. And um, I remember saying, okay, but have you had my girl? Yeah. <laughs> and like third day of school, I get a phone call, Miss Osborne, where are you? And I could hear the blood curling screams in the background. And I, um, you know, me and my sassy mouth at the time, I've learned how to advocate a little differently in the last 12 years. But um, I said, I thought you've had kids like her before. Why are you calling me? <laughs> <laughs> you got this. Um, you know, I, I was advocating for a safety plan. Yeah. And, you know, when you have a school that says, I, I don't know if the child needs a safety plan. I mean, that's red flags. Mm -hmm. um, and for us, it looks like, um, well, I tell you what, if something happens, I'm going to be the first parent to talk to that other parent and say, you guys knew about it from day one. Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, I, I learned how to advocate in such a way that I was a team player versus an adversary. Um, and, you know, and that's that's gone a lot further. I do tell people that I burnt that bridge down um, in kindergarten to the point that we asked to request to move to another school, not because of her, because the relationships that I had not handled very well. And, and you know, as adoptive moms, we're mama bears. Yeah. Um, we want nothing else to happen to our children. Mm -mm. Nothing. Um, and, you know, that little redheaded spunk in me would sometimes come out and it would come out pretty gnarly. Um, so, um, 
you know, I, I again, I've said, but I, I just had to learn how to advocate differently. And, and I think it's, inc- it's incredibly great to hear you talk about her advocating for herself. Yeah, she um, she's pretty good. And we also talk a lot in our house about, you know, this is not an excuse. Um, last year when she was struggling so bad in math and, uh, I just told her, I, she's like, well, mom, all these other kids don't have to study. And I just was very real with her. And I said, that's not going to be you. Like you will have to study. You will have to try harder. You will have to prove to everybody that you can do things. And I said, but you're a fighter. And I know you're a fighter because you were born at 36 weeks. And babies don't survive at 36 weeks. Some of them don't. They just don't. And I said, so honey, when somebody looks at you and tells you you can't do something, you just go right down that road and show them how you can. Um, and, and, and we've taught her too, like, it's not an excuse. Like, yeah, you have this FASD. She probably doesn't even know she has that, honestly, because we don't really call it that. But it's not an excuse to behave badly. It's not an excuse to make bad grades. Um, we just try really hard at our house to not make it excuse. Do, are we grace? Do we give her grace because of this? And sometimes me and my husband look at each other and go, okay, we have to remember she can't help it. Like some of these things she just can't help, but we absolutely hold her responsible for the things she can help. And sometimes it's just breaking those tiny things down into, well, look at there, you're smiling. You can do that. It's a smile is easy to do and just like breaking down to what they can do. And then again, building up their confidence. Um, she's been in camp and power and, and, and doing the TBRI. I learned so much at those trainings just, um, and I keep going to them, even though they make me feel like an incredibly bad parent after I leave. But I usually go with one or leave with one or two nuggets that I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing this. And then it, it helps our relationship. Um, but I mean, I could not imagine life without her. Um, and I've talked a lot about her. We also adopted, um, actually it's kind of an unusual case, I guess, but we adopted an adult, um, at 19. Um, and for him, I think we have different struggles. The struggles for us would be, I didn't have 19 years with him. I had about a year with him, two years with him. Um, three years with him and then he was married. So sometimes I got into those feels of, I was kind of gypped. Um, and I'm kind of mad about that. Some, some days I'm just a little bit ticked off about it. I maybe have had a harder time letting go of him to be married and raise his own family. Cause I still feel like, but wait a second, we're like in year five of you being my son. And so that's, you know what I mean? It's just different. And, um, we just work around it, but, um, so um, adopting him was it's just kind of different out of but he wanted to be adopted and he wanted uh, his last name to change. And so um, we did it. <laughs> That's awesome. We are, are contemplating that now with an adult. And, you know, I I can't imagine our family without her. Um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that you have to look at all the things because um, she's an adult that needs support and. Um, receives disability. And so you want to be incredibly careful about, um, you know, if you adopting them is going to impact their money or, you know, different things like that, that, you know, we didn't have to think about with the other kids. There's just, oh, yeah. you know, a whole different level of, um, you know, questions and things like that. So, well, when we adopted our son, it was, um, quite a, it was, it was back before that, that it, it didn't affect him at all. Like it, I will tell you that our relationship with him drastically changed after we had adopted him. 
Um, cause he was hung up on the fact that we got paid when he lived in our yeah. home, we got paid. Um, and I asked him one day, I was like, what do you, what? And he said, mom, the moment I knew you weren't getting paid to love me, it changed everything for me. Mm. And I was like, I get that. I get that because then we had really chosen him. We had chosen to still be his mom and dad, even though the state wasn't giving us any kind of funding to help us do that. So Man, that's, that's profound right there. Yeah. I mean, we still struggle, but, um, but he was like my dream come true. Uh, my dad had red hair and I just tell people he's the blue eyed redheaded baby. I prayed for He just came a little later. Um, you know, we talk about being sisters. That's all I've ever wanted to parent was a redheaded child. Um, <laughs> and I got that in um, our first adoption. And, you know, I'm like, I want another one. That's so <laughs> funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He He's my boy and just a special relationship and um, how we even met and how he came into our home is just an amazing story. But um love him to death, would not change anything about him. Um, he is a go-getter, works at, uh, he's at Bank of America now. He graduated and um, that had nothing to do with us. That boy came into our lives determined to be different. Um, and he's done that. He's been different and he's raised his family different. Him and his wife are foster parents. And um, he just, I think he had been exposed to the negative so much that he, and I'm sure you've run into kids like this, that he was just bound and determined that he was not, not going to be a part of that. He was not going to live that life. He was not going to be that dad. And um, he was just determined to, to be different. So we're just kind of there to like support him where we can, but honestly, he's, he's brilliant on his own. So you know, and I, I've had people, I mean, it's been a hard, hard journey. I mean, we are just now really seeing the fruits of the labor kind of situation. Um, and somebody asked me, do you regret adopting? And and I can honestly, truly say that, you know, there were years that were so hard when we were bonding and connecting and um, really digging in and doing some hard work. It was hard, but I don't, I, I've never regretted it. Um, I, I've never I can't imagine my life without the child. Right. Um, and, you know, I, we are all different people because of that process. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, you know, we, we're just that family that wants to go back for more. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I will so, say like for us, she was two and now she's the only kid in the house. And so that's kind of, it's just different. I, I mean, last night I even thought we have this big old house and we have one child, (laughs) but you know, it's just, and you don't think about that. God's so good because now our our girls are old enough where, you know, if we need a sitter or whatever, she can go and and stay with them and be with them. But, um, I do sometimes think like, I told my husband the other day, I was like, can you like, if we had not adopted, we would be empty nesters right now. Well, I don't even know what I would do with myself if I didn't have a child to take care of. So. Right. Well, and the other thing is like, I wouldn't be sitting in this role I'm sitting in now. That's true. That's true. Um, and that, I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm grateful, um, you know, because I can sit here with you as a peer um, and you know, the things that we've, celebrated and cried over and things like that, that we, you know, not many people can have those same conversations with you. Yeah, you're right. 
Well, I think we're going to close out. We will have you again and we'll talk about more things. In fact, if you're listening to the podcast and you're like, hey, I would love for Susanna and Gail to talk about fill in the blank. Hey, let us know. And Gail and I can get together and talk about that. Maybe we can get that on social media and we can ask um, more people what they want us to talk about. But um, we will have you back for sure. I want to talk more about um, Foster Family Alliance and the resources that you or y'all are for foster parents and kind of unpack that with you if you would come back. Absolutely. Anytime. All right. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today for Foster Carolinas. Were you inspired by something you heard today? Well, we want to encourage you to make the next step, whatever that is. Everyone can do something for children in foster care. If you're not sure where to start, go to our website at www.lotcarolinas.com and see what you can do.